Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and I'm proud to be bringing you these stories of everyday heroes right here from Sydney, Australia. Today on the show, our guests are Nikki and Richard Taylor from Life Made Easy. Now, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome to the Goal In Podcast. And if you're back for more, welcome back. We love our repeat offenders here at the Goal In Show. If you're not already subscribed via the app that you're listening on, don't forget that you do that before the show is over, so that way you'll never miss an epic go-all-in story ever again. Just hit that subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on right now. Okay, as you would know, going all in on something in life means total commitment. And on this show, the go-all-in stories that we hear are more often than not about transition. And... They're often about transition from one career to another or from a long, stable career into a new business and they've never been in business before. Now, our guests today, Nikki and Richard, they come from a recruiting background with over 25 years experience. They know exactly what it means to help people to find a new job, but more than that, they know exactly what it means to make a transition. They understand that it can be hard, it can be difficult, and they also understand how to help and work with you on these difficult transitions. In their business, Life Made Easy, they mentor people just like you and I through transitions and into new and exciting roles. And their tagline for their business is empowering everyone to own their own career journey, which I really love because it embodies everything that the Go All In spirit is. Now, you're going to love their Go All In story, and I know you're also going to really appreciate their practical and pragmatic advice when it comes to career development, especially if you're thinking about making a move or transitioning into something new. I'm excited they're here, so please help me in welcoming Nikki and Richard Taylor. Well, good day, Nikki. Good day, Richard. Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's, it's great to be here as well. Awesome. Well, before I kick off the show and we talk about this Goal In mindset that this show is all about, I want to get to know you guys a little bit and uh, have a bit of fun with you here on, on the front end of the show, like I do with all of my guests at we have a, a quick little get to know you quiz. It's pretty random. It's in no particular order. And it's going to be fun because there's three of us here doing it. And you guys are sitting together. So for the people listening, they're sitting together. They're not on separate screens. So just tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I ask the question. You're ready to go? Go fast. Yeah. All right, yeah. here we go. So, all right, I'll go with you, Rich. What do you prefer, mate? The beach or the bush? We live in the best country in the world, but, you know, we've got choices here. What do you prefer? See, that's, you can't ask that question because... <laughs> It's actually both, but probably uh, bush. You like the bush? What about you, Nikki? Beach. It's beach. Look at that. You, look at you two complimenting each other straight from the start, from the first question. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell me, Pilates or yoga? Yoga. Yoga. Yo, yo, look at that. Jumping straight yeah. on that one. We're a team. We're a team. <laughs> Is that a daily practice for you guys? Yeah. Daily 5 a.m. Daily 5 a.m. Ever do Pilates? Tried, yeah. I, I like um, I like individual yoga. I think the one we did was more of a functional, mm-hmm. maybe rather than a have a bit mm-hmm. of fun. I don't know why they end up in the same category. Pilates and yoga are two completely separate things. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I but I like to see because it kind of shows me a little bit of your world when I ask that question. All right, do you prefer a a plant based diet or is it paleo all the way? Plant based. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was both. There's no yeah. T-bone steaks in that household. Oh, no, no. No? Interesting. Very good, very good. All right, Nikki, who's your favourite superhero? Wonder Woman. That was a little bit predictable. Sorry, Richard. (laughs) 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 
I didn't know that you had superheroes. Look at that. I know. See, you're learning something about each other. It's yes, my, my secret thing. I have got the outfit in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Rich? I don't have one. You don't um, have one? That's all right. You're allowed not to have one. Superheroes. No, more. No, don't have one. Sorry. Oh, all good. All right, Richard, what was your first car, mate? My first car was a 19... Do you want the year? No. <laughs> no, no, just the model. We don't no. want to date you. It was a Mark Three Zodiac Zephyr. That's given the whole year out. Yeah. <laughs> What's a Zodiac Zephyr? I have to say, I know cars. I love cars. But what sort of car is that? So they were... Well, they started out as a Mark One, then a Mark Two, and a Mark Three, and then went to the Mark Four. But see, it's going back into the... Um, a few days ago. <laughs> There's nothing around sort of like it's like it now, unfortunately. In the 60s, 70s. So the cars were built in the, uh, in the 60s. Was it not an Aussie? Was it an Aussie car? Australian-made car? No. Uh, I don't. New maybe, Zealand. Maybe Ford might have been in there somewhere. Maybe. I'm going I'm to find a picture of that thing and put it in the show notes, and I'm going to Photoshop you on top yeah. of it like this. That's it. <laughs> How about idea. you, Nikki? What was your first car? Um, mine was a Fiat Bambina with a sunroof. <laughs> and it was red. And, um, and it lasted three weeks because I had I wrote it off. Oh, you, you stacked it. Was it new <laughs> or was it second hand? between two cars. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you hurt yourself or you are right? I uh, was actually hurt. And the police didn't get a tow truck at the time. They actually took two guys just to lift my car up. And move it out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> shoe the shoe the thing off the side of the road, little Fiat. Just blow it away. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. You know, it's a rare it's a rare person when I ask that question that they have a sensible first car or something that wasn't a bomb or something that they didn't drive like they stole. So it's good to know you stuck your first car because I stuck one too. Yeah. yeah, that happened to me as well. All right, when you're not working, guys, what, what's what's the favourite weekend pastime? Yoga, beach. Maybe walking. Uh, not far from here is some really, really nice waterfalls up 35, 40 minutes away where, this, where the bush park comes in. Um, probably probably uh, an international I'm... flight to Bali. <laughs> That's a good weekend activity. I like that one. An international flight to Bali. And, um, and pretty much the weekend we would do a lot of walking, a lot of biking, go to the beach, So we sp- and yoga. So we spend a lot of week. Our weekends aren't chores. Mm-hmm. Outdoor activities too. We don't do chores. We uh, so we're out and shopping and cafes and friends and yeah. Very nice. Very nice. All oh, right. In the, um, bars, in the bars. Yeah. Maybe a couple of wines or whatever. Yeah. You got to slip that in there as well for sure. All right. Last serious question of the little warm up. Get to know you quiz. Tell me, Nikki, and and, and I'm going to go for two answers here because it's a little bit kind of I I get two for the price of one here today, which is kind of fun. Tell me, Nikki, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? I would say Richard Branson, as in, and it's probably when I've been involved in his podcast and listening to his books, mm. uh, sorry, reading his books, was um, screw it, just do it. Screw it, just do it. I love it. That's almost uh, another way of saying go all in. Yep, exactly. Basically. Isn't it? Yeah, well, Richard yeah. Branson's first book. I read his first book and then I just carried on reading and I've kept an eye on what he does and I just love his attitude that he can just, yeah, it doesn't matter, just just go do it. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. What about you, Richard? Was there is there a piece of... Uh, business advice that stands out in your mind? You've had a moment to think about that one? I have. Good job. Not so much, I guess, straight out business advice, but more was one that the guy just said to me, hey, look, it's, it's only money. <laughs> That's all it is. Like, and you can take that either way, you know, negative or positive. You can. Yeah, yeah. You can stress out about it or, hey, well, that's all it is. They're just little pieces of plastic at the end of the day, aren't they? That's all that matters. 
numbers yeah. on the screen. It helps my shopping spree. Yeah, yeah. The, the more, it's only money. The more numbers on the screen, the better the shopping is. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's a quote I'm going to use for this podcast. All right, guys. Well, thank you for having a little bit of fun with me here, letting me have a little window into your world and to your mindset as well. People come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. And you guys have got a pretty cool story, which I can't wait to hear. So if you wouldn't mind, can you please share with the audience your biggest Go All In story? Or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success. Okay, I'll. Um, You're the storyteller. So, so for me, so the biggest I mean is in like when we sold our business at that level. Mm-hmm. So two, two had two businesses uh, in recruitment national. Our last business we sold was Australian National Recruitment Company. We had made a decision that we would sell the business. Few few errors were made, and both sales of our businesses was not bringing in business brokers which we probably should have. But when I look back now and what we did is we, we, we career transitioned ourselves out of a recruitment model, sold our business and went straight into mentoring. So we transferred our skills of a 17 years in recruitment to becoming a career mentor to transition other people into work. So for us, it was, that's what we wanted to do. Um, it took us probably about six months to decide how we would do that full time even though we were actually doing it anyway. And when we look back now, even in recruitment, we were career mentoring uh, job seekers anyway. But to bring, bring that into a, a paying business probably was that, you know, I, I will remember my very first one and I ended up doing a freebie for the first, you know, four sessions just to get myself in my feet on the ground and then just nailed it and off I went. And it was like, as you say, all in. It was, it was all in. It was like, this is what we're going to do and it's amazing. And every part's been amazing. Well, I've been really excited to talk to you guys for two reasons. First of all, you have a business and you had a business, you sold it and now you've got a new business. But what you guys do in helping people with careers and transitions, I think is so unbelievably important. And I'm going to just put a pin in that one and circle back to that in a sec because I just want to pull on this go all in thread here a little bit because you were in business for the 17 years doing the same thing in recruiting. Can you remember at what point along that timeline it was where I was like, oh, it's time to kind of wind this up, get out of this business yeah. and move on? Is there, can you remember a point for yourself, Richard, when that happened? There's probably many of those points. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every third day in the last six months of my business. And that those points came You're about correct. when, because, because you deal with human beings, that's, that was the nature of the business. When, when you got let down, it's like, because uh, the letdown was a financial letdown, which means that you weren't going to get paid. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't $50, we were talking thousands of dollars. So there was those ones, but it was probably around the 2017-ish July. mark. <laughs> Look, Nikki knows the exact month. I do. <laughs> you sort of get there and, and after a period of time, the industry that we worked in was, was in real estate and predominantly yeah. recruitment in real estate. So you're dealing with a, a very, very high ego environment. Uh, especially from the sales perspective, and that most owners were salespeople. And not that you get worn down, but it's the same things with you coming back and coming back, and they're just like hammering away and hammering away. So it was about do you keep going and grinding into the ground, or hey, you know, let's, let's you know, find someone that, that has you know, a bit more energy and passion that really wants to do it, and then we'll move on and we'll do something else. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the time, Nikki was saying, we're mentoring job seekers, we also spent a lot of the chunk of the time trying to educate the owners of the businesses 
right? Yeah. This is this is what is really happening in the marketplace. This is what you need to do. This is what you should be paying your staff. And they go, no, 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 no. Yeah. So that part of the process was um, was good in that we could see both sides of the uh, of the argument you know, for and against. Mm. It's always really interesting for me to hear about people that kind of leave a career or a business behind to transition into something else because it's usually a combination of what you just described and of all the interviews that I've done it's it's always a combination of you know what I'm kind of teetering on the edges of having enough of that because as you say it's wearing you down a little bit but it's it's a little bit more in favor of hey I'm a little bit more passionate about this so I'm moving towards this and then it ends up being a little bit of a puzzle of how do you take that passion and, and what I'm doing and turn it into some real some real money some folding money that I can put in my bank account and make a, a living on is that how it kind of played out for you guys Nikki? Um, it did and I guess at the end of the day for us as we transitioned ourselves we realized how much experience that we had as a career mentor to support individuals, whether they're CFOs or receptionists, mm. to transition them to, you know, and, and they're the ones that make the decisions on where they're going. Mm. It's just facilitating the process for them. So um, very powerful for, mm. for to, to create transition from a recruitment model to a career mentoring. Um, and we're doing startups as well. So very passionate and very excited about seeing someone that comes to us and says, I'm over the career and then realise that their passion, I'm actually just doing a startup at the moment of two in recruitment. So they've gone from an industry-specific role and now using that industry of 25 years and now taking that into recruitment, almost reversed to what I've done. Mm. So amazing. And, and then using my 17 years in recruitment to show them how to become a recruitment consultant on their own, in their own business, laptop lifestyle, how we work. So, you know, it's a, an amazing journey for them. I mean, did it did it feel good for you guys to to come together and leave the old business behind and finally establish it yourselves in this new business where you, you get to leverage all the skill sets that you developed over you know a career of that? Yeah, totally. But the only thing I have to be honest and be upfront about that first six months there was a lot of questioning because if you understand mentoring fees versus recruitment fees, quite different. <laughs> well you'd worked in that recruitment model like forever right for the better part of your career or all of your career earning those dollars i'm still not over it yet yeah yeah so yes but but the passion and the love of what i do isn't that that's just not replaceable yeah you know, and watching people just kick goals and kick butt and do what they're doing and listening to how we're te- you know teaching them mentoring them to me that's worth all the money mm. So yeah, you're earning a lot less than we were earning. Mm. However, I look at uh, balancing it out, and that's going. No, we, we're, and we still we've still created a laptop lifestyle. So mm. we still there's no way we'd be in an office. So mm. no, we. What was the new name we came up with? Not laptop lifestyle, but I don't know, I'm just a freedom junkie. There's <laughs> another name. We came up with. But the biggest challenge. <laughs> How is do we become a freedom junkie? Initially, yep. where do you where do you pitch the dollar value? Mm. What are you worth per hour? And then you've got to. Say to people mm. now, you have to pay that all up front, mm. and now I've got your money. <laughs> so it was about not trying to find out what the market value was, but your own worth. Yeah, because yeah. people will pay that if they believe that you're going to deliver what they want. So it's a different service to recruitment, which is inside an existing model that people are familiar with. Did you realise what you were worth? Were you charging what you were worth on the front end, or did it take oh, a little not, bit of time to no, develop? Not at the start. No. Not at the start. That, for those first six, first six month sessions, to me, were like 
was my just putting my toes in the water. I see, that is where you're going to go here. And she's like, whoa, really? I, I know the language, you know, my fears. You know, I, I was yeah. taught that my, my first year in recruitment, you know, I was taught, you know, when you're in business, my fears. So this is what I charge. Mm. So I'm, I'm actually mentoring my recruiters and I'm startup recruiters now is that's this number one priority. You know, you, you put it on your laptop and say my fears, I don't discount. So for me, yes, I, we can say now a year later or 18 months later, yeah. this is my fears. And, and then, you know, we just talk to the clients and this is what it is. There is no mm. ifs, there's no buts. You know, and we know how much value they get, and they get more. They get us for the session. They get us for during the week. That we're on tap. We're on phone call, text, email. Yeah. Because I take them on as my as my project. Yeah. And same with Richard. With we yeah. we have different clients, and we have we're yin and yang. So we can Richard can get a client and go. I'll just pass you over to my partner Nikki. So it's easier for me to be working with that client, and I've got clients that I just send them to Richard. Yeah. So I get to have ones. that dynamic. It's really important. Tough ones, you know, those the analytical ones. Yeah. I get yeah, the yeah. May, may, I, may I be so bold to ask? It's a, a little bit of a, it's a cheeky question. Kind of put me back in the slot if you like. When you first started with it, were you charging too much or not enough? Not enough. Yeah. Why do people do that? I know. And, my, and do I do that with my clients as I speak today, with my clients that I currently work with that are in startups? Mm. I tell them to charge right up to the, you know, right up. What I think is, is fear. Right. Of your worth. Yeah. Well, it's, it's probably not knowing what you, what you are worth, but it's fear. If I charge you know, that amount of money, no one's going to want to pay. So I'd be coming a lot less. Uh, and, and you can see that with pretty much anything in life, life you know, like valuing a car or a holiday or a house, yeah. table and chairs. You, you go in, uh, like if you want to buy them, you'll go in a lot less than, in theory than what somebody <laughs> wants to pay. And that's, what goes on in your head, you think, well, if I go in too high, they're going to want to knock it down anyway. So I better go in what it's really worth. And then it's about now, I guess, sort of holding your head up high and saying, well, no, this is what it is. And if they go, well, would you take less? You go, I'm sorry. This is what the fee is. And this is what you get plus a hell of a lot more. We'd love to work with you. However, it's not within your budget. Fully understand. It's not a problem. We've got the repeat now. I think, I think here to see our value now is that they're, they're re-signing. So we have a we have a package of four sessions, uh, six sessions, and ten sessions, and they're resigning, they're rolling over. A career a career changer can take four sessions. Some can take six. Startups are taking more than you know six months. I say mm-hmm. yeah, about six months. So for us, it's very exciting to be able to be in that position now. Where we, if we look back on the day one or day six for six months, you know we would we didn't even go any more than four. It's yeah. Like, you know, that's all that we well, you, might have, you might have done an hour. Whew, yeah. 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 yeah it's about, it's about the small wins and you know, I, I facetiously asked that question. It's a bit, it's deliberately tongue in cheek just to let the audience know that you're actually worth a lot more. And yeah. it's a pretty common mistake to not charge enough for your products or your services. I, I, I discovered in, in the other business that I have in digital marketing, it's a very, very commoditized space. And for the regular listeners of the Goal In podcast, you, you've heard me talk about this before, but for the people that have not heard me say this, it's a, it's a very, very competitive market and consumers are really, really smart. And what I learned about myself and charging for products and services was mostly related to how my buyer behavior is. If I see something and I think it's valuable, I just buy it. And I'm not, I don't really shop for a bargain. I rarely ask for a discount. I know that I should. I, I never, 
I don't really play people off against each other in business either. I just kind of, if you look like the right fit for me, the price is kind of agreeable. You can do what you say you can. I trust you at face value. I'm pretty easily sold in, in that respect. And what I discovered in a commoditized world would, was that I would put a quote in to win a job for whatever the job was, a marketing or website or whatever it was, and I would get knocked back and I'd get knocked back and I'd get knocked back. And I can remember way back when, when I first started doing that, I felt, I used to feel really bad. Like, am I charging too much money? Is it me? Is it my message? What's wrong? And what I quickly realized was it's a really big market. Consumers have got choice and I've just got to keep going until I find customers that want to work with me. And, you know, luckily because of what I was doing and, and what I do do, there's plenty of customers. So it didn't take too long before I started to break through. And when I started to break through and I realized that, hey, they, they paid 10 grand for that job. Maybe next time I'll ask 12 for something similar. And I did. And I got it. Not every time, but I got it eventually. And then, hey, maybe this job's worth like 22 and I got it. And, you know, it's not about in business for, for me, it's not about how much cash flow that you have. It's about the profitability of your business. Because if you're only charging $5,000 for a, a particular thing and only keeping 10%, you're still only keeping 500 bucks. So if I can get 10 new jobs in the door every week and I have $50,000 worth of revenue, I'm still only keeping 500 bucks times 10. I'm not keeping much. I would sooner have more profitability in my business than more cash flow in my business. And once I understood the delineation between those two things, my business just went boom, 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 next level like that. Is buyer behavior something that you consider when you're setting your price as well? I'm interested to know. I can totally relate to what you just said, all of what you said about the digital marketing side. And it's, it's, you know, I guess at the end of the day, I look at it as being very consistent. If you're consistent in your marketing, it, it will pop. Mm. But if you're going to drop off, and I believe that we're, we're seeing clients that are seeing value and we're seeing, we're getting, you know, as a career changer, our market is across all of Australia and global. But, you know, we're targeting, we're keeping it, try, marketing, we're t- targeting in Australia and New Zealand. If you have a look at who our, who our clients are, it's, it's across the board. So, and I guess same with digital marketing, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's small business, it depends on whether you're going to niche it. So, um, what do you think? Yeah. yeah, we sort of, I guess, looked at what are other professional people charge. Well, that's mm. something right in that window now, isn't it? I'll try and put my big head in front of this. Yeah, there we go. I'll just move it over. And if you look at you know, accountants and, uh, and lawyers and, and doctors, basically they're just providing a service. Now, they're not selling you anything. And whilst we didn't come in at some of the levels that those guys are at, it was about you've also got to be at, uh, high enough so that people can see there's value. I know it sounds a little bit back to front, but if it's too cheap, they might think, well, these guys are charging me you know, 100 bucks an hour. What am I going to get out of it? They may, they may not actually perceive any value. So you've got to sort of crank it up to get to that point. And uh, we were chatting actually to a lady yesterday who said that she didn't want a particular client. In it, and so she put in a quote and it was double what she would normally charge. And the mm-hmm. lady accepted it. <laughs> so it all comes back to that their perception of value or, or what we're putting in our own heads, telling mm. ourselves what the market will pay. When in reality, it's the market will pay what it will pay. So, so there's a bit of fluctuation up and down, trying to feel your way through this big goal in transition that you guys have had. How, how long did it take before the water found its level, so to speak, and you really started to get a little bit of momentum with what it was that you were doing? Was it six months, nine yeah. months? I'll go, I'll go no, I'll take nine. I think six to nine. I think the yeah. six months, I keep referring to that six months because it was like, whoa. And then now I would say nine. And then where we are right now today, we've streamlined everything. We have systems, we have processes. I'm very quick in set, setting up systems and marketing. I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm a daily marketer. 
Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's not, a, I'm not afraid of all that, which is great. And again, Rich is analytical. I'm very creative. So it's, it's a great blend that we have together um, as a couple. So that, I think that's, that's very powerful, but I, I definitely would say I'm, I said to another lady, so I just met this morning and I said to her, she's been 12 months in business and I would have agreed with her when she said it's, it, it was 12 months of it, a very exciting journey, but I'm still, you know, I'm t- three websites later and I'm still tweaking everything. So <laughs> you don't start up and just set up. Mm. You start up and it's ongoing for life, isn't it really? And you yeah. just change the same in recruitment. You had to change your market. You know, one, one week it was all job seekers. The next week it was all job orders. Mm. And then one week you had neither job seeker or neither job order. So, you know, you had to really balance up. So for us at the moment, it's, it's lots of mentoring happening and then you need to continue filling that pipeline. You cannot, you cannot just get comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I call it the gradient of business. I don't know if just yeah. the terminology that helps me to understand it. You, you start off on a, on a really steep learning curve and it's very, very hard to get traction. But once you get traction, you, you get there and eventually you plateau. And sometimes that plateau, in, in, at least in my life, feels like comfort. And yeah. I like being comfortable yeah. <laughs> being under the doona in the cold winter mornings. I like being comfortable in business as well. But I, I'm also acutely aware that you can't stay here. You can consolidate here, but then there's an avalanche coming down the hill in front of you and it's just going to wipe yeah. out if you, don't, uh, if you don't do something about it. So I, I do like to be on really steep gradients and pushing really, really hard in business, okay. getting to a consolidation period and then working out how to step off and go next level with stuff like that. I, I want to kind of bring this back on, on point to your business and talk about some career stuff. But before I go there with that, you guys are really uniquely placed in what you do from a mentoring perspective in career. And I would say to you that probably 60% of the stories that I tell on the Goal In podcast are about transitions. And about half of that 60% are about career transitions from, I was doing this for 30 years and I finally took the leap and I dived into my own business or, you know, I was in business and I had to go back to the workforce as a whole. It's always about a transition. And Transitions are, are often very, very hard emotionally, intellectually, certainly financially, and deeply spiritually stressful sometimes for, for people, especially when you find yourself attached to an identity that is a job. And a lot of people identify themselves, and I'm guilty of it, and, and I think most people that are ex-military would agree with me that I identified myself as a, as a paratrooper. And I tied my identity to being a paratrooper with a short haircut and being super ultra fit and ready to jump out of the plane at any time and kick in a door and kick ass, right? Because that's, that's what you do. It's not a job. It's a, it's a lifestyle. The military is not a job. It is a, it's a lifestyle. And, you know, you don't have to be in the military to associate with something like that. If someone was listening to this, Nikki and Richard, and you're the career experts, and they were teetering on the edge of a change, and they were thinking about going all in on that change and doing something, what would be the top one or two or three things that you would say to them to help them get across the line and take the leap of faith? Um, well, first of all, I mean, I think first of all, depending on their situation, if they're married with children, see what I'm finding at the moment where they're married with children, if it's the, it depends on whether we're talking the mum or the dad or the wife or the husband, mm-hmm. um, there is a lot of things to consider and we need to, we delve into all that as well. So um, I think the finance side is making sure you've got a little bit of security. Obviously, if you are going to go in to do something that's a little bit out of your comfort zone and 
you know, very, that fear of cha- like we have changed a massive income to a lot, lot less income, but really happy in what we're doing. Mm. Yeah, I think finan- the financial side needs to be needs to be there. And I and my biggest thing is if depending on if they know what they're going to be doing is build the network now. Even if they were thinking of it, build the network. Build it. And, and I say LinkedIn. We use LinkedIn like. Yeah. Um, like our second database. So LinkedIn to me, oh, you're LinkedIn too, right? So so LinkedIn to me is the is a powerful building a network. Even if you were just thinking about stepping into paratrooper or whatever we're gonna call whatever job title we're gonna head into, jump into LinkedIn and start building some networks and talk to those people and start building that relationship with some people. And people don't mind getting a phone call on LinkedIn or an email and just saying, Hey, look, I'm thinking of entering into this industry, what do you think? Mm. And start start mm. finding those people. Yeah, so what Nikki's referring to is probably the classical of the five or six Ps is the first one is the preparation. Like you just need to prepare yourself. And the key to that of course is knowing what you want to do. And in this case a lot of people they don't know what they want um so obviously what do you prepare to do if you've got no idea of what it is that you're wanting to do and sort of examples that the guy that I just finished uh, dealing with last night who was at a location undisclosed in new south wales but he'd gone into a role where he'd been there for maybe seven months and he didn't really do a lot of preparation or due diligence i would call it and he effectively was tapped on the shoulder through linkedin to get this role and he's gone wow i don't really know if I like the company or the team. It's smaller. Like all these things that were, in theory, wrong with what he did. And after working through them, after about four weeks, like he was a new guy, and we just worked through a whole lot of stuff. But one thing that that uh, Nikki had come up with is a sheet. It's like a Benjamin Franklin clothes. You've got the big T. Mm-hmm. We call it the love or loathe, love and loathe. So what do you love about what you do? Because yeah. hate is a terrible word. And then what do you loathe about that? So we don't worry about the love things because they're fine. And we just I just work with them on the other side of the ledger. And all of the things that were wrong and terrible turned out to be, well, I can handle that. Well, what about if we did this? Or what about if we did that? And the upshot was last night, he says, I'll, I think I'll stay where I am. So mm-hmm. he started with, I, I, you know. Which is great for the employer. Have I done the wrong thing? Or should I change your career? And I go, well, to answer that, we've got to go back to why did you move and what are you doing there now? And then mm-hmm. work from that point. Because everyone's different. Um, mm-hmm. Some people we deal with uh, have been made redundant. So they don't have a choice. Like, like they can't stay where they're staying because there is no there anymore. Yeah, uh, it's just getting for those guys that preparation. Uh, we had a guy just today, he's going to join us today, who's at that point. I think he was made redundant a couple oh, of months ago. New South Wales. We're getting on New South Wales. Yeah, what's happening in New South Wales? <laughs> I don't know. So it's just getting them to do that part initially, so that um, once they've done that little bit of preparation, then we've got a lot more similar to what you do with the podcast. You get some information before you meet the people. We get some information so that we've got an idea of we could start evaluating different things that they could do, what skills have they got that are transferable, you know, what industries have they always really, really wanted to do, but just not quite gutsy enough to, mm-hmm. to take that step. And can we get them to that stage where we can not push them, but get them to actually take that step? Bearing in mind, if, you know, if they've got families, what's the, the implications uh, if they did do that? Well, you, you got some really, really super practical steps there for, for going all in. And, and I, I love the idea of the preparation. It's, it seems like a natural place, but getting out of your head and yeah. writing it down and, and doing, creating a thing, love and loathe, that type of thing and working out what it is. And, and I think people just kind of don't spend a lot of time doing that. They, well, they, they don't spend a lot of time with yeah. You know, and, and we do a personality <laughs> profile and regardless of whether they sign up with us, 
or don't, I will still give them a personality profile done so that they can actually take the opportunity to have a look at where their strengths are. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of situations, again, if we we're in a couple relationship, if there is a couple relationship and it's the guy struggling with being stuck in his career at the moment, I'll get him to get his wife to do the, the profile as well. Because mm-hmm. if we get a bit of a balance in their, mm-hmm. in their home life, then, and that comes up with, you know, a lot more stuff that can help, you know, my, I've done my mindfulness training, so it can then, we can, we can get some balance in their home and sometimes it's not the job. Yeah. Sometimes it's not the career either, you know, and, and like Rich has done amazing with, with this guy where, you know, he's now happy in his current role and Rich has given him new strategies that he can work with in his current job to make his job a lot better, even mm. building a relationship with his, mm. um, with his manager and a couple of other things that he's now got. So it's really nice to be able to see that even though he, now he's staying in his current role. Yeah, I didn't, just with talking with him, I didn't think that the job was the problem. Mm. I think he was the problem. That was my very first impression was there's really nothing wrong with the job at all. It's like it was in the same field. It was just another company. It was just him getting his head around change and because yeah. the change was so much change. Mm. I, I felt that's what he was really going to struggle with and not, get out of there and go and find something else, you know, down the road. Yeah, because you'll take yourself with you. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I think in, um, it, for me personally, from our recruitment background, a lot of the corporate organisations and employer organisations, you're not going to go to the employer, are you, and go, hey, look, I'm really stuck in my career. What am I going to do? So for, the, so for the, our time as a recruiter, for both of us, they were the phone calls that we used to get every day. I'm stuck in my job. I don't know what to do. Should I, can I send you my resume? That that was the very first initial call to, as a recruiter. And because we ran, ran a boutique recruitment company, we never we always took those phone calls and we always returned those emails. So we're always one of those the recruiters that would always ring that person and just find out what's really going on. Hence why we it just made sense to transition, didn't it? <laughs> and here you are. Come <laughs> all in and do it. Just, just take there's, there's, that and pay and do it this way. There's one really important thing that you said there about career and about networking and LinkedIn and everything like that. And I think it's, I wanted to, maybe if I get on the go all in high horse a little bit here and amplify what you said, I, I, I don't think that there's any time in history that's more important than now that you build your network as big as humanly possible. Because we all know that you'll transition careers seven or eight times over your lifetime. If you're lucky, you'll do it less than that. But if you're unlucky, you might even do it more than that. And, and career by careers, I don't mean by jobs because over a period of time, you're going to find you'll really like things and try and make a go of it. But then you decide you don't want to do that and you'll move on to something else. And the problem with transitions that I've seen, particularly in the digital marketing space over the last four or five years is it's changed radically. And what you don't want to do is going be going from a standing start of zero every time you decide to make a career transition or a transition in your life of some sort. Now more than ever, I believe, and tell me what you guys think, I I believe that it's more important than ever to build your network and to take that network with you wherever you go and to be actively engaged in that network. Now, it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be 10,000 people. The bigger it is, the better, of course. But if you've got a core network of industry professionals that you work with, geez, that's such such a vital thing these days. And it's what we do on day one. So, so, so as a career mentor, first thing is the first question they get asked after we've got all our information back: Do you have a LinkedIn profile? Mm. 
And if they say, oh, yeah, I haven't really used it for the last six months and I'm not getting any jobs because I've been applying for every job and I'm not getting so have you used LinkedIn to source your next employer? Mm. Oh, the classic. Oh, yeah, I, I did that like, you know, two <laughs> years ago. I think I did something, that, that LinkedIn thing. Yeah. But we can transition that, that moment from being in a LinkedIn profile of 100 connections and get them over the 500 mark. And we, we do LinkedIn audits and we do LinkedIn revamps and makeovers. Mm. So we would it's a bit like a, a proper makeover. So we would actually bring in, and there's two sessions that we run where we just do LinkedIn only if that's what they want and not, but incorporated in that would be their career transition. So I love the fact that we can take someone's, I've got some beautiful stories of guys that have, you know, left work, left business or being, you know, removed from jobs or, or whatever and turned their LinkedIn into the machine within four weeks and they've got a job. Yep. And they've got recruiters, and because we've got the inside information on recruiters, they've got recruiters and employers contacting them directly. You know, and, you, and I'm nothing against Seek, but people would say to me, "Richard, I never use Seek for any of our standard recruiters. standard advertising. Never used it for ten years. Mm. So because we were about LinkedIn and about relationships, and so for us, in you know, when an, a candidate or a job seeker comes to us and is stuck then the first thing we would do is encourage, it's up to them, but encourage them to get on LinkedIn. And within an hour of one of my calls recently, we had a recruiter and an employer come back in a message and ask him to make contact. And of course, you know, we're, we're on shared screen together and I'm going, you've got your first two mm. in the hour. So it works. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone, but it does work. It's just, you need to have the mindset to change and go, okay, so job boards don't work maybe I need to go out there and build my own relationships. Mm, absolutely. You know, in digital marketing, I, I say to people, someone asked me the other day, where's it all going? And I said, it's going AI is where it's going. Digital marketing is and programmatic advertising. And it's, it's pretty incredible. Some of the technology that's out there already. But when you look at the technology that's out there, that's been perfected and refined, it's actually a couple of years old and the computing power and the internet and the ubiquity of internet speeds is such that, Something like, and I'm just going to go off on a little tangent here, so bear with me, but I'll bring it full circle for you. You, you, you go off on a little tangent and say that something like an Xbox is actually almost physically completely redundant because the ubiquity of high-speed internet connections that have gigabit connections or 100 megabit connections is such that you'll be able to play an Xbox game with no latency across the internet. So the actual need for the physical device is going away. So that's one example of how internet speeds and ubiquity of that makes it go away. Programmatic advertising for the people that don't know what that is, you go around and navigate the website and visit different websites and you arrive at a particular website, whatever that might be, and there's ads there. As you click on there, that website knows what your IP address is. It sends your IP address across to an ad exchange and in the ad exchange there, there's about 150 different companies there bidding to show your ad to that IP address because you've visited things about shoes, scarves, and jumpers. And all of these e-commerce sites in this programmatic advertising exchange all bid on that. And then the ad exchange says, oh, that's the highest bid. Bring that, show that ad to that person. And that all happens in the time that you type in www.whatever.com. You arrive there, programmatic advertising takes over, and the ad that's shown to you has gone through an ad exchange, probably in the United States, yeah, and then comes back here. It just boggles your mind how it works, right? Yeah, and it's got enough. That right there is not 
artificial intelligence. That's programmatic advertising. So that's advertising that's controlled by an algorithm. And what I'm describing is a very clumsy, clunky, rudimentary way of describing it. So it's easy to understand. But the reality is this. There's only two things that you can control anymore in digital marketing. One is your email list. And one, the other thing is your appearance on a podcast or your podcast. And the reason that they are the only two things that you can control as an individual is because everything else is subjected to an algorithm that's owned by a giant company whose sole purpose for existence is your money. So now let me bring it full circle for you from a networking perspective. If, you've, if you're thinking about a career transition and you've got a network that you've got going on at the moment and you're not ready to take the leap, my recommendation from a digital marketing perspective would be if you can in some way, shape or form, send those people off LinkedIn into an email list. Totally. And yeah. is an end is a, a way to do that. Yeah. And, and there's a really simple sensible ways of doing that. And, and the recruiters on the other side of the screen here on the other side of the microphone would definitely agree with that. But what it does is, is it enables you to transition from point A and go to point B and bring those people with you via your LinkedIn, via your email list. And if you go on a podcast like this, then you can control your message because it's never going to be censored by the podcaster because they invited you. So some really clever things that you can do from a recruitment perspective. Yeah, exactly. if, if I may, I wanted to, I've been doing a bit of talking here. I'm going to let you do something in a sec. Sorry about that. It's my podcast. I kind of get to drive. I kind of like that. That's why I have my own show, right? Control. <laughs> so I wanted to, I wanted to share a little bit of experience that I've had. And then I want you guys to, to offer a comment on that if, if you could, please. So way back, back in the day when I was in the military, back in the Australian Defense Force, I had really, really terrible career advice. And I hope that those people that were in charge of me hear this podcast because looking back at it now, there was no career advice and no opportunity given to me. In my very short time in the Navy, before I was in the Army, I was in the Navy for about five years, I'd been everywhere the Australian Navy went inside of that time. I was lucky. I went to the Persian Gulf. I went all around Australia. I went all around Southeast Asia. The only place that I didn't go that I, I missed out on was going to Hawaii on an exercise called RIMPAC. But I'd been to Hawaii before, so it was neither here nor there to me. So I didn't feel like I was missing out. And I felt like my only option was to go, you know what, I'm out of here. I, I always wanted to be in the army. I'm going to the army. And they said, you can't join the army from the Navy. You have to get out and then rejoin, which was complete BS, by the way. That was, that was not true. The whole reason I'm telling you this story is there was so much opportunity in the Royal Australian Navy. And after I left the Navy, joined the army, and then caught up with some of my mates that had been in a lot longer than me, I'd seen their careers progress down these left and right tangents that I never even knew existed. And it was so frustrating to me because I really, really, really loved being in the Navy. I loved it. I love wearing a uniform. I love being on a warship. I love the job that I did, but I just felt like it was going nowhere. I was going to go ashore for a job for two or three years and I was going to go back to a warship, get promoted and do exactly the same thing that I'd been doing. And I'd been working in that rank in that job. And so I would have gone ashore, come back and done the same job again for another four years to go ashore and to do a job that I'd just done at sea because they put you, it just didn't make any sense from a career perspective. So I just put a stop to it and went, I'm out of here. I'm doing something else. doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Only then to discover that, hey, you could have gone here. You could have done this. You could have, and it was like literally dozens of different options that were on the table for me and no one ever explored it with me. 
And I wanted to ask you guys as career mentors and, and recruiters where you come from, that must be a common thing where people are not exposed to what opportunities lie within their own organization, but better yet within their own skill set. Can you offer a comment on that for us? Uh, well, well, it, it, I think personally, it's more about what's available where they currently are. So where you're to where you're referring to in the Navy, it would be, it would be, it should be EAP services or an organization where you could access confidentially a career advisor. Well, you so, think, right? There is a thing, isn't there? <laughs> Not when I, I don't know. <laughs> I, well, I, I never is- experienced it. In the in government organ so no not government in many organisations um, bigger organisations like the navy and the defence etc you would get an EAP service which would be a career transitional mm. uh, service available for you to access but no one would need to know what really happened because you'd go and see another consultant. I so ironically though I think in the armed forces now they now not then now it's like okay so what are you going to do when you get out? Mm, it's the other side of it mm. rather than what you're doing. What can we do to keep you here? Uh, yeah. Such a good statement you've just mentioned because I, I refer that to even, you know, you look at all the time we've met with people in recruitment and, and had a lot of ex-defence myself that have come to me um, in NZ and Australia where they've already they've already retired and, and at 35 and and then where do they go? Yeah, that's really, to be, do I, my, my honest opinion, mm-hmm. when anyone from Defence, Navy, Army to me in police, I used to get police as well, are actually the most structured, organised individual human beings to put into a place and normally would go into like transport and logistics or, you know, I remember back then they were great candidates for recruitment mm. because their profiles, their, res- mm. their profiles, their resumes would look amazing. Yeah, um, I can actually give you an example from last year of that exact thing. We had a young guy who was in Darwin. In the army. In the army. Mm-hmm. He'd been to Iraq. He'd learned a bit of Arabic. It just... He'd been in four years, four and a half years, something like that. He was 25, 26. Very, very ambitious, I'm describing as, and really, really clever, like very, very smart. And in fact, the Army actually sent him to Melbourne to learn how to speak Indonesian, just as he was resigning to get out of the force. But all of the things that he had learned, he said to me, look, he said, most people think I'm trained to shoot people. That's, that's just what they think. But he said, it's not. It's international relations. It's negotiating. It's in the list went on and on and on and on. And um, I just said, so where do you reckon you can take all these skills? Like, we've got all this stuff way, way more than the guys on Civvy Street have got. Mm. What are we going to do? And the upshot was I knew a, uh, knew a person who owned a recruitment company in Brisbane, and I actually managed to get him, introduced him, and he got ended up getting a job there as a recruiter, of all things. But the things they recruited in were logistics, mining, transport, everything that he'd been doing. All the skill sets. Exactly. Yeah. So it was just a matter of taking him from one environment, putting him to another, and now he's going back to where he came from to find all his candidates. Mm. He knew them all. So mm. it's just a matter of, of He'll do amazing. utilizing what is there, but giving them the options. Like I said, you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. It's just a matter of taking what you have done and then getting somebody to believe you because they believe that you're in this box because you've been in the defense force. Mm. Mm. We we're going to lift that. And that's what he was finding, that people just thought, oh, you're just a grunt. You know, you're just going to go out and do whatever. But it was a matter of just changing that thinking. I think going what Richard's saying too is a career mentor, because we're not career coaches. I, I, I always... There's a distinction. I would need people to know. HR and recruitment, two very different people. Yeah. Um, so as a mentor, and we, we wanted to remain as mentors, is that mentors will always, um, they'll, they'll have your back. They'll ex- help you accelerate your career. And we will also um, put you in touch with people that we need to put you in touch with. And there's no, there's no cost to that, of course. You know, that's, 
Mm. That's a natural, I mean, Richard and I are sitting on, you know, very high volume in our LinkedIn's, but it's not just LinkedIn. It's also our relationships around Australia and New Zealand that we can, and, and also in the US and UK. So mm. if we can connect people, you know, someone might be relocating to London from, from Sydney. So therefore we can, you know, I've just said an acoustics uh, engineer relocate. Mm. So, you know, to be able to connect him up with the right people in London, it's great. It's very powerful yeah. to be able to do that. I had a guy a couple of three weeks ago who was going to go to China. I know one person in China. That was Anna before she left. Put them together and she put him in touch with the right guy. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Network- very powerful. Yeah, networking is the key. You know, when I came across your profile in LinkedIn, Nikki, I saw that career mentor and I was like, damn it. That's what I needed when I was in the military. And you know, all, all jokes aside, it, it's yeah. serious. You know, I, I think I left, I left maybe five years too soon. And again, because it was time came, I did what I wanted to do. And I, I, call, I called time on it. And looking, looking back, I'm not sure if there would have been any influence, but nobody pulled me aside and went, Oi, Oi, did you know you can go here? Did you know you could do that? And, and, and I, I think in... I know in hindsight that I got out too soon. I got out five years too soon because it took me five years to transition from being in the military to being like a normal human being, not like a robotic brainwashed infantry guy. And sorry, but that's actually what happens. You know, that's, that's the reality of it. Transitions are, are really, really hard. And as a result of that, it's, it's kind of a shame. It's a shame for the ADF that I kind of left so early. And, you know, I, I had like the best career that any guy could ever possibly ask for. I was in the right place at the right time, the whole time. And I loved every second of, of what I did, but looking back at it with hindsight, it's like, man, they could have managed me better and yeah. I would have achieved so much more. And, and I really love what you guys do. This this podcast is about commitment and doing whatever it takes to succeed and to go all in. And we often talk more about business and being an entrepreneur, but the vast majority of people in the world are not business owners and not entrepreneurs. They, they have a job. And I know that there's a lot of employees out there listening to this podcast that are teetering on the edge of doing something for themselves or, or moving into a transition. So should absolutely reach out to, to you guys to help them with that. If they wanted to connect with you, Nikki and Richard, what's the, what's the best way to do that? LinkedIn, 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 LinkedIn. Our, um, our website, which is uh, lifemadeeasy.biz and find us on Facebook. We're very, uh, you can find us. You just, you know, Nikki Taylor. You, you just Google Richard Taylor Mentor or Nikki Taylor Mentor. It just pops It'll up. pop up. Yeah. Every, yeah. Beautiful. Every, well, I'll go one better and make it a bit easier. If you're listening to this podcast, just have a, a peek at your phone and right there in the show notes to this podcast are the links for Nikki and Richard on LinkedIn and to their website as well. Do you guys have a little kind of giveaway or a gift? Is there something there? I saw we, that. In the we, we could. We, we have <laughs> just just had these beautiful vouchers created so in the digital. So that mm-hmm. are, we're paperless, so you'd love us for that. So there are $100 vouchers that we were more than happy to offer. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and yeah for $100 off a CSC purchase, yeah. Okay, excellent. And I'll make sure that there's a link right there for that little voucher as well. So pop along, click that link and make sure you grab a hold of one of those because I know these guys are, are right there in your corner, barracking for you, helping you and help you make a transition or help you move forward in your career. All right, as we close out the podcast, we're nudging an hour here. Thank you so much, by the way. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and, and coming on the Goal M podcast. I, I get the best of both worlds. I get the business story, but I also get to give the bit of the career stuff out there. So we cover all aspects of an audience and you guys have been so giving. I really appreciate it. But I wanted to ask the, the final question because I know that you guys are, are both morning people 
And for the, the poor, sorry sods that can't pull their ass out of bed in the morning, they're not going to like this very much. Tell us about your morning routine and your daily non-negotiables because well, you guys are really specific on that. We have to remind you we're in Queensland. I was in New Zealand last week in minus two <laughs> and I still got up at 5 a.m. and I still went for my walk at six. But we get up at 5 a.m. every day. So that's the non-negotiable. And if you think you're going to sleep in, the alarm goes off at 10 too, just in case. Yeah. So we've still got 10 more minutes to be up by five. We don't really need an alarm in the summer because the sun rises at 4.30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're Basically down um, Yoga mats are out on the floor and we just get yoga, get off, the yoga mats out. off YouTube. Put it on and when it's dark, light a candle in yep. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever we just feel like uh, during the day. And then from... Gratitude journals. We then write in a gratitude journal every day. And it's not about cheesy thing it's just just things that you're gratitude for which could just be the clothes you're wearing or the house you live in or the, the job you've got the or, bank. or don't have <laughs> uh, it's a whole lot of stuff and you can start on one topic and you just keep going and go i only wrote about one thing or you can write about 10 different things and then we'll either go currently we'll, here on the goldie we'll go down to the beach and have a decaf coffee we'll stop the real coffee yeah we gave that now. up 10 months ago at sunrise we always so wherever we are bali new zealand is wherever would be we see the sunrise and then we come back and have a healthy, healthy, healthy breakfast and then it's get ready for work. And we would be in an office we, wherever we are living or staying or accommodating ourselves because we do travel around for lifestyle, not for work. We would be on a laptop by eight. So it's still very structured. You'd love it because you'd love all that structure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're very structured and then we pretty much end a day between four and six and still sometimes take calls. So yeah, it's a pretty structured day. It's good. Very nice, very nice. I'm not sure about the early mornings. I know that I can handle them. I, I have this weird body clock that just cracks me awake at 4.30, but boom. Whoa. And you get up? Uh, not all the time, no. More often than not, because sometimes I think if I get up now at 4.30, I'm going to be like wrecked for the rest of the day, come 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And sometimes I've got to do podcasts late in the evening as well, and I'm doing other coaching calls and stuff late in the evening. So I, most of the time I'm out of bed by about 5, quarter past 5. Every now and then I'm up at 4.30 and kind of getting after it and doing that as well. But that's the exception. Well, that's the exception, not really the rule. We're very much a 5 a.m. club couple. Yeah. That's good. Get a jump on the day. Love it. Love it. Well, Nikki, Richard, thank you so much for coming on the Goal In Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to host you here for an hour. And thanks again for being so giving and and sharing pretty much a lifetime of career experience in careers. Uh, Really appreciate it. And I know the audience is going to absolutely love this episode. So thanks again. We look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. What a fantastic show. Please make sure you connect with both Nikki and Richard, and you can do that via LinkedIn. And make sure you head on over and pick up that free $100 voucher that they've got there for you. Just pick at your phone, and all the links to their website and their socials are right there in the show notes. Now, if you've got a question, a comment, or an idea for the show, please reach out via the Go All In socials, and make sure you don't forget to subscribe to the, app, to the show on the app that you're listening in on right now. And if you have a moment, I'd really appreciate a review if you like what you heard today as well, because that helps us a whole boatload at the same time. Don't forget, you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goallin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. Now, whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you're working on, get busy, get to it, and go all in. I'll see you next time.
Don't you give me, 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 don't you